everyone, and welcome to our Work-Minded season on managing change. Today we'll focus on change for organizations. What kind of approaches do organizations take when it comes to change? And what are the emotional impacts to the employees and the communities that they serve? Our guest is Roseanne Esiambre. Roseanne is a change agent coach, a facilitator, and a continuous improvement consultant. She's worked both domestically and internationally in a diverse set of industries, and now she provides coaching to change agents. She helps them identify and remove the roadblocks to their success, gain support with their change effort, and improve their overall effectiveness. Roseanne also provides consulting and facilitation to organizations to help save them time and money and to increase cross-functional collaboration. She's passionate about continuous improvement, whether it be in an organization or in one's own personal development. Roseanne, it's so nice to talk to you. Thank you for joining us on the show today. Thank you for having me. So I wanted to ask as one first question, how did you get into this field of organizational change management? Yeah, I followed what I was passionate about. Uh, When I went to college, I had no idea there was such a thing as organizational change management. And as I started working in corporate, I realized I had a natural tendency to want to improve situations, whether it was a team not working well together, a process that didn't seem to be working, or miscommunication happening. When I went to work for Northrop Grumman on the West Coast, I was introduced to Six Sigma. And I thought, wow, this embodies my natural continuous improvement mindset. I had no idea exist- this thing existed. I got trained up as a Six Sigma green belt. And when I heard my division was looking for someone to become a Six Sigma black belt, I asked if I could be trained and thankfully was given the opportunity. In this same year, I learned about the field of management consulting by bumping into a management consultant on a flight. And once again, I thought, wow, it's an entire company focused on continuous improvement. When I moved to Boston and was looking for my next opportunity, I brought in my search to include management consulting firms. In my research, I came across a firm called PRTM and noticed there was a director of a business technology group. I sent him a cover letter and resume and said something to the effect of, I'm new to the area, and since we've both been in the business and technology fields, would you happen to know of anyone who would be interested in my background and skills? Hoping he would be interested, and thankfully it worked. He was interested. I was asked to come in for an interview and ended up being hired. And working at PRTM was a fantastic learning experience. It was like getting a master's in organizational change management. And when I left the firm, I continued doing the work I was passionate about as an internal change agent in corporate instead of the external change agent. Can you talk a little bit more for us about some of the general approaches that organizations tend to use when it comes to change management? Sure. So there really is a diverse set of approaches out there. So I'll talk about some that I tend to like to use and also can be very popular in the organizations out there. So one is the Six Sigma DMAIC process. And DMAIC stands for Define, Measure, Analyze, Improve, and Control. And it's a structured way of going through and defining exactly what it is that we're working on, what the to-be goal is going to be, going in and actually measuring it and validating that is the issue, 
getting to the root cause, putting together that implementation plan and that stakeholder management plan and that communication plan, and then figuring out how that change is going to be sustained in the organization via that control aspect. So that's Six Sigma Demag. There's the John Cotter's eight steps of change model. Step one is establish a sense of urgency. Step two, create top management unity. Step three, develop a clear shared vision and execution strategy. Step four, communicate the vision. Step five, anticipate and remove barriers to change. Step six, achieve short-term wins, and pilots can be great for this. Step seven, build on the gains from that short-term win, you know, or wins, plural, via that pilot. And then institutionalize the change as step eight. So again, it's a structured way of going through and really making sure everybody's aligned on what that vision is, top management is all aligned on it, that vision is clearly communicated out to the organization, the roadblocks are then, the barriers that they're talking about are removed, pilot that change, build on the gains, and then figure out how to really make it stick. So that's John Cotter's. And then there's Lean Six Sigma as well that looks at methods such as Kaizen's where they go in and do a very structured uh, workshop to make some sort of improvement in the organization. And that is where they pull people out of their day jobs and focus them into these workshops so that there is complete 100% focus on making this change happen. And it's a short-term thing. So it's a span of over a few weeks or a month that they do this. There's the eight waste method where they look at the various wastes in the organization and how to lean those out. So the eight wastes are defects, overproduction, where you're producing too much in the process that's, that's being looked at, Waiting, so waiting takes up resource time, and that resource time could be used towards other more value-add things. The fourth one is non-utilized talent. So in addition to waiting, you could have talent on board that, for whatever reason, isn't being assigned to things or isn't active at the moment. And so that is resource that could be used for something more productive and being assigned to something there. So that's another waste. The fifth one is transportation. The sixth one is inventory. So carrying too much inventory can certainly be, be a challenge for organizations. The seventh one is motion. And the eighth one is over-processing. So that's another way of looking at the different areas where you can go in and, and improve and lean things out for the organization. Another method under Lean Six Sigma is 5S, and that's a methodology for organizing and minimizing items within a workplace in order to make it operate more efficiently. So lots of different approaches out there that organizations can take in addition to these even. So it really just depends on what's going to work for that particular organization. 
I heard an awesome quote the other day that change is not a project, it's an experience. And I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about the employee experience and the emotional aspects that go along with change. It absolutely is an experience. And for many employees, the change journey is an emotional roller coaster. So change, after all, is a grieving process, which means where there is change, there's going to be emotions. And the Kubler-Ross change curve model illustrates this emotional journey employees can go through. On the y-axis is morale and competence of the organization and employees. And then on the x-axis is time. And what it does is plot the emotions that employees can go through over time with this particular change. And at the start, they're shock, right? They hear about this upcoming change or a change has kind of been forced on them. For example, COVID-19 was a big one that, that shocked people. And they, you know, it's, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is going to be changing and this is what's happening. From there, they can go into denial where there's disbelief, they're looking for evidence it isn't true, all right, I'm just going to put my head down, pretend this isn't happening, and keep on doing my work. And when people are in this stage, their morale and competence actually increases because they're kind of ignoring the change that is about to take place or has been thrust on them, and they're just trying to pretend like things are going to stay the way they are or the way they used to be. At some point, though, there's going to be a realization that this change is coming or this change actually has occurred. And when that realization happens, they can get frustrated and they can get angry because at this point it has become a reality in their mind and they are going to have to face whatever changes are going to be coming their way related to this. And at this point, their morale and competence starts going down Eventually, they might get to depression. This is going to be the lowest on the curve of morale and competence. They have little energy. They're low mood, lethargic. And how long an employee stays in this phase really depends on the employee, right? What their background has been, how resilient they are, how much this particular change is going to impact them. So it really just depends how long they stay there. Eventually, though, they're going to want to experiment and engage with this new situation. And when they start wanting to experiment, this is when their morale and competence starts increasing again. Then they're going to get to decision, where they're really learning to navigate the new situation and feeling more positive about the upcoming change. At this point, their morale and competence is really starting to go back up. And eventually they get to integration where they're completely integrated with the new change. They know how to operate with it and their morale and competence is completely back up. Now, the way I describe this, it sounds very linear. However, this is not the case. So employees can certainly bounce around these different emotions as they go through the change. So if we think about that experiment phase, think back to chemistry class where we're doing an experiment and we think one thing's going to happen and it turns out something else happened when we tried that. 
And it's not always a pleasant outcome. So certainly when employees are experimenting, they might bounce back to frustration over what they found or engaged with, or they might bounce back to depression or denial. So they can bounce around this particular change curve and emotions. And if the organization doesn't adequately address the emotional side of the change, it can be a very bumpy ride. And that destination may not end up being what the organization had envisioned. And I think that can be especially true now um, for organizations to keep in mind this idea of change as an experience, particularly during this time of really rapid change and also really unprecedented change in terms of the future of work and how the workplaces of tomorrow are going to look. I'm wondering if you've seen any kind of emerging trends or future indicators in the change management field specifically. Yeah, so absolutely, with so much change occurring so quickly this year in particular, emotions are running high in organizations. And I'm glad you brought up the pace of change. That's definitely been a trend where the amount of change an organization is experiencing is accelerating. So the ability to quickly adapt and apply new information and be resilient becomes more important. Other trends, the emotional impact of change that I was just speaking about, this is still often underestimated. And a lot of managers and leaders are still under communicating about a change instead of over communicating. At the start of the pandemic, I was hearing about a lot of instances where leaders were saying nothing because they didn't have the answers to what the employees were asking. Unfortunately, this lack of communication was actually making employees more on edge versus if the leaders had just acknowledged how employees were feeling and communicated they don't have the answers yet to these questions employees would have felt a bit more at ease because communication was flowing. So that's really important to have communication flowing. As far as emerging trends, more organizations are getting interested in agile transformations because if agile is done right, it can deliver quality IT solutions that provide value faster to the business than traditional waterfall software delivery methods. The key there is doing it right. (laughs) There's a lot of organizations that have partway implemented Agile and are still holding on to parts of the waterfall world, which isn't going to get them the full value a real Agile transformation would. So again, the key there is doing it right. In addition to that, there's artificial intelligence, machine learning, and big data. So as computers learn and take on some employee tasks, this can shift job roles and responsibilities. And new roles are and will emerge as computers take on some of the other tasks. With all of our devices and apps, the amount of data continues to increase. And being able to distill that data down to meaningful insights is becoming more important. You know, being able to visualize that data in a meaningful way and really being able to communicate out to the organization, this is the important information we we want out of this data. And I know you mentioned communications. I'm wondering, what would you say to people who are asking or wondering about the role of organizational communications when it comes to change management? 
Oh, organizational communication is critical to change management. <laughs> so, so very critical. And as I said before, aim for over-communicating instead of under-communicating. A lot of managers and leaders are unaware or forget people need to hear things multiple times for it to stick. One of the things they would drill into us at the consulting firm is when we were working on presentations, they had always drilled into us, people need to hear things three times in order for it to stick. So the way we would design the presentations is tell them what you want to know at the start, tell them again as you're going through, and then tell them again at the end. And so I kind of watched this and how it worked in the various organizations. And it really, really was true. You know, some people might hear it the first time, but a lot of people really did need that repetition. Another thing that uh, leaders and managers may, may forget is one communication method isn't going to work for all employees. So you may hear managers sometimes say, well, I told them in the staff meeting, so they know. Or, well, the VP sent out this email communication, so everybody knows. And it's like, well, not everybody's able to get to all of their email. And certain people may have missed the staff meeting, or they may have been thinking about how they're going to deal with the homeschooling of their children and may have been distracted during that staff meeting. So it really, really is important to utilize all the different communication methods in the organization to reach people. Another thing they, the leaders and managers sometimes forget or, or are just unaware of is the employees on the ground don't have all the information they've been receiving at the top of the company about the change. So it's, it's important for them to take themselves out of themselves and put, you know, think about the employee's perspective and what exactly information the employee's been receiving instead of thinking, well, I heard about this in this executive meeting over here and we've been discussing this for five months. Well, even though leadership's been discussing it for five months, the employees may have just heard about it a week ago or two weeks ago, and they don't have this five-month history of all that communication that was going on. So it's really important to remember that and make sure that the communication that's going out is clear, concise, and it's hitting its mark, right? The message that leadership intended to get out there is, in fact, what employees are receiving. So once information's been communicated out, then it's validating, you know, what did you guys hear? Did this meet the expectations of the information that you need in order for this change to be successful? So it really, really, really is a critical component of change management. Thank you for asking about that, Shannon. Yes, and thank you for sharing. I think communications is such a key piece of any organizational work that happens. And I know it tends to be kind of put off to the last minute sometimes or maybe considered almost a nice to have instead of something essential that is really critical to making movement on certain initiatives and also making sure especially that employees and people in the organization are feeling comfortable and emotionally supported with everything going on, especially now where things are so up in the air. 
Exactly. It is a must-have instead of a nice-to-have. Yes, exactly. And I think we have time for one more question. And so I'd like to end by asking if you have any suggestions for additional resources for anyone who wants to maybe explore more about change management or get in touch with you after the episode. Yeah. So there's John Cotter's books. Those are great. And there is i6sigma.com can be a good resource for Six Sigma related. And there's so much on the internet, you know, um, just explore, find what resonates with you. And at the end of the day, I am a big proponent of learning by doing. So if you've done some initial research and change management piques your interest, get involved in a change initiative in your organization or town or wherever it is that you're looking to make change happen and explore it and, you know, see what works, what, what isn't working, how can we improve what isn't working and make it better. And as far as the way listeners can get in touch with me, absolutely, they can get in touch via the contact section of my website at sustainablesolutionscoach.com. Another resource is I offer change agent mastermind groups where four to eight change agents and I meet twice a month. We talk about the challenges they're experiencing with their change effort. It's a place for them to safely overcome these challenges by getting support from their peers, coaching from myself, share best practices, learn from others' experiences, have accountability partners, and they're able to expand their network and skills. Great. And I just want to end by saying thank you so much. It was so fantastic to hear from your experience, to hear your perspective, and especially to talk a little bit about some of the upcoming trends and things that we can start to expect out of change management in the coming months. So I just want to say thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Happy to share. Thanks for joining us for this episode to talk about managing change in our organizations. For more resources on mindfulness and change management, you can visit our website at www.workminded.net. You can also find us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. Our next episode will cover changes in the way we work, with an increasing emphasis on virtual interactions in all kinds of industries. How can we build a sense of connection and trust? We'll see you then. Thank you.